Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. We stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Baker takes the snap. Rolls right. Throws down the middle. And Joku's got it. 520, 50, 10, 5, touchdown. Nick Chubb. Odell Beckham Jr. 89-yard touchdown. Miles Garrett did it, Doug. Around the horn he came. Rang the bell and said, Fires, it's caught, Lambry, touchdown! Here's Mayfield, back to pass, he throws, right corner of the end zone, touchdown! They got it, it's Landry again! Pound Nation. Uh, this is going to be an interesting discussion uh, tonight because uh, we got yet another double uh, game coverage because, you know, obviously, just like with anything else, unknown issues come up, have to take care of that before we can work on this. So we apologize for missing last week, but hey, we're here to make up for it with a double issue today. And talk about a tale of two different games. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's so much as a tale of two different games so much as it was one game obviously went really well for us and showed us, you know, a team that can fight through adversity and be a playoff contender mm-hmm. versus a game where a lot of the big issues, obviously, you know, receiving and all that was a huge problem this game, ball handling especially. But this was more just weather related than anything else. Yeah, weather played a little bit of a of a factor here, especially with um, you know, some people like sorry, that game, this much. past game against the Raiders, one touchdown catch between the entire game, between both teams. That was it. Well, you look at the media too, and everybody's quick to blame Baker Mayfield. It seems, and I don't know why, because this game was far from his fault. He put the team in position to win game, to win the game, and on top of it all. I think the Browns had five or six drop passes that probably could have shifted the balance of the game if they weren't dro- if they weren't dropped. Uh, keep in mind, me and you have been discussing this for the entirety of the season so far. We've both have said at different points here, should the Browns move on from Baker Mayfield? So this is kind of like, why are we? Why are the media shifting blame onto Mayfield all of a sudden when? Really, we've done the same exact thing, so it's kind of contradictory. 
Well, to be fair, at the beginning of the season, he did deserve some of the criticism. But, I mean, based upon the Bengals game we're going to talk about, um, especially since, you know, they always say about franchise quarterbacks are, are, are guys that can go down the field in that two-minute drill and go win a ball game if they need to. And, yeah. and he proved in, the, in this Bengals game that he is more than capable of doing that and that he has the potential to be that franchise quarterback. Speaking of which, hey, ladies and gentlemen, let's go right into the Bengals game. So, for this one, this was one of those days I had damn near a heart attack at the beginning of the game because Baker starting out 0 for 5. Oh, I thought it was going to be a, re- a, a repeat of the Steelers game. And I was about ready to start really questioning whether Mayfield was our quarterback at that point. But what does he go ahead and do after that? No, lobs off 20 consecutive completions. I mean, which is a franchise record. A lot of people were talking about how this was probably Baker Mayfield's best performance as a pro. I have to agree. I mean, he, he took command of this game and when the Browns were, the defense was faltering. He came back, scored, came back, scored. And then at the end of the game, Pat came back and scored and won the football game. That is exactly. what a franchise quarterback does. Hey, he got us that two-minute drill, like we were talking about, touchdown at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And some people will criticize, oh, it's the Bengals, the Bengals. Well, guess what? This Bengals team beat Tennessee Titans last week, and that team's really good. So, to me, it's proving the Bengals are a good football team. They're getting better each week. And the Browns, I think, still beat a decent football team, even though their record says otherwise. Well, the Bengals, let's let's put it this way here. The Bengals are a team that have the potential to be a lot better than their record obviously shows. Sure. It's a matter of they need the talent to back up their claim. Exactly. They got no talent on the defensive side of the ball. They got some offensive pieces, but their defense is awful. Kind of like the Browns defense, but I think the Browns defense is slightly better than Cincinnati's. Oh, yeah. So, that's not really saying too much. let's go ahead and break down this game. All right. Obviously, as we discussed, 0-5 to start the game for Mayfield on passing, but ends up coming back, completing the next, what am I seeing here, 22 of 23 completions for a total of 22 and 28. Yeah, he had 21 straight. His 22nd pass was considered incompletion because he spiked it. So it was 21 completions, but he completed 22 of his last 23 passes. For 297 yards, five touchdowns, and one interception. Five touchdowns. So interception, obviously, continuing the streak of Mayfield. Just yeah needing to improve on his interception rate. But well, if, it's the fact that he passed for five touchdowns this game. It's his best as a pro. But take a good look at this interception. And and I look at this interception as being the tale of what this team can be without OBJ. Because, yet again, the interception was thrown because he was forcing a ball to Odell Beckham. And then as soon as Odell Beckham leaves the game, all of a sudden Baker's rattling off completion after completion, not forcing the ball into tight situations, not overthrowing the ball. And he's spreading the wealth to, what was it, uh, five or six different receivers? Uh, yeah, looks like it from what I'm seeing here. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people will say, okay, we've only seen a sample size of what the Browns can be without Odell Beckham. Because uh, so we had three receivers this game that were over 50 yards uh, receiving. Mm-hmm. 
compared to what we've been seeing, we haven't seen right. that many. Right. Now, like I said about the sample size, everybody complains about, oh, this is a sample size. We can't compare it. But that's not necessarily true because look at Baker's first year without Odo Beckham. Look at how well he looked. He looked his best that he's looked in his three years. And he did it with Landry and Higgins. And now all of a sudden Odell Beckham leaves the game and Baker looks like his rookie self again. Wait, I don't, I'm not going to say that is a fault of trying to force the ball into OBJ so much as that I think the Browns game plan there was to try their best and their damnedest to feed the ball to someone they know is a known playmaker Mm -hmm. and a human highlight reel when he does make the catches. The problem with that though, is that with them trying to do that, they're forcing the ball into bad coverage. They're forcing the ball into bad plays, which is costing them in the long run. I think if they scale back on that a bit, yes, obviously keep him a key part of your game plan, but scale back on trying to force the ball to him all the time. Well, if you take a good look at Baker's interceptions, if you notice, most of his interceptions come from when he's throwing the ball to OBJ. And usually it's into very tight situations where he really doesn't have a window to throw it to. And I don't know if this comes from Baker feeling pressure to get Odell involved because maybe, you know, we know Odell has – attitude issues he has a little bit of an ego and he wants to be the guy that makes the plays and maybe baker feels a little bit of pressure to get him the ball because he's worried about the the pressures of it i'm not saying the coaching staff is is pressuring him maybe it's just baker himself feeling the pressure to get him the ball and that's why baker doesn't look like his usual self it's possible um we're just time's just gonna have to tell at this point yeah we'll see in the coming we've got weeks. another we've got another half a season to go here yep with so, the browns Going into the bye week, like we said, above 500, mm-hmm. which is a rarity. Um, I can't remember the last time the Browns went into half the season with as good of a record. I think it's happened before, but it's. I think the last time I saw it was something like 94 again. Yeah, it's yeah, and that's why everybody keeps dogging on the Browns too, saying, "Oh, they're five and three, but are they this? Are they the shitty five and three? Um, when you look at who the Browns have played and who they've beaten. Um, yeah, we could say they beat the Cowboys. Okay, fine. But when they played the Cowboys, the Cowboys had a good offense. They were the number one offense in the NFL when they played them. Um, you know, they, they beat the Colts. The Colts had a number one defense going into that game, and the Browns beat them. Um, and they beat the Bengals twice. Okay, fine. But the Bengals are not as bad of a team as they were last year. The only team they beat that was shitty was what? The, um, the Bengals. Uh, Okay, so there, so there you go. So I can't understand people's arguments saying that the Browns have only beaten these mediocre to shitty teams. It's not true. And, and also, the teams that they've lost to so far, one kind of mediocre team in the Raiders, which we'll get into that after right. we get through with this, mm-hmm. but our two big division rivals in Baltimore and Pittsburgh – Pittsburgh being the best team in the NFL right now, mm-hmm. the only undefeated team left in the league. Go figure. Uh, they're, what, 7-0 and going into this week? Yeah, I'm playing the Cowboys this week, so most likely be 8-0 and after, after tomorrow. And Baltimore, which is another perennial playoff contender year after year. Yep. 
Yep. I mean, yes, we're going to have to beat these teams eventually in order to prove ourselves and get to that next step of being, you know, serious contenders mm-hmm. for a playoff spot. But these are teams that people expected us to lose to. I mean, yeah. I mean, people need to realize that the Browns are not losing to these teams that are just shitty. I mean, back in the day, over these last 20 years, the Browns were never able to beat the shitty teams, and that was one of their biggest problems. And now they're doing that. They're beating the teams they should beat, and along the way they're beating teams that nobody expects them to beat. So they're going to reach some, some, some problems. Um, they're still growing pains. It's still a new coaching staff. And, and, and I see week to week the Browns are improving. The defense needs a lot of work. This is not because the defense is not playing well. It's because they lack talent on the defensive side of the ball. And that's something that's going to change in the offseason, quite obviously. Yeah, so with that, let's break down the stat line real quick. All right. Uh, let's see. We got Kareem Hunt leading the charge, 18 carries, 76 yards, averaging 4.2 per carry. The overall wasn't a bad day from Kareem Hunt. Nothing spectacular, the but he did enough. With the, the, my biggest issue with this, though, is the fact that he was our rushing game. We had Landry for with two carries for four yards and Dearness Johnson with one carry for three. Yeah, uh, Johnson hasn't done anything since that big game against the Cowboys, and that's why I'm a little concerned. But I don't well, need to be because we're getting Chubb back. The good news is, though, that we're going to have Chubb back after the bye week. So Yeah, so that that's fantastic news. The rush game's really going to pick up, I think, especially since we got a schedule that's kind of weak in front of us. Exactly. Um, but receiving. Uh, receiving game. Richard is going back into what we were discussing. Richard yeah. Higgins leading yeah. the charge. Six receptions for 110 yards. Averaging 18.3 per reception. Yeah, this is this is the Rashard Higgins that we saw two years ago in Baker's rookie year, and I and I like seeing Higgins going back to his going back to form. I I love seeing this happening again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Harrison Bryant with four receptions for 56 yards, two touchdown catches. I was greatly impressed by Harrison Bryant's performance. He just he was making some great catches out there. And to me, I know he's a rookie tight end, but some of the things he was doing out there were very early Gronk-like. And I could see him maybe becoming a guy that could be a future star. I, at times only kind of tell at this point. It could. Are we going to end up seeing, you know, a Gronk-like career from him? Or are we going to see the same thing we saw from Baker after his rookie, rookie season, season where yeah. he's going to end up just, you know, shitting the bed the next season? Good point, because Harrison Bryant didn't have a good game against the Raiders. He dropped a few balls, but we won't judge based on one bad game. Yeah, and then next on the line, we got Donovan Peoples-Jones with three receptions, 56 yards, and another TD added on. He was the one I was most impressed with on the receiving game, minus obviously Higgins. We should mention that one of those three receptions was the game winner as well for Peoples-Jones. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was within, what, like a minute left in the game? Uh, no. By the time they scored a touchdown, it was 20 seconds left. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was a hell of a drive, too. That that drive was just um, – That was what we need to see from the Browns. Yeah, that was one of the best drives I think I've, I've seen in a very, very, very long time. The, this is what we need to do in order to be a good team, is being able to drive the ball downfield like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we need to do it consistently. That's the biggest issue. We need to be a team that has ball control, ball possession, Mm -hmm. and 
that's one of the things we're going to get into with the next game. Yeah, there's not much negative to talk about in the Bengals game. I think the only negative point is the defense gave up far too many points to, to, uh, to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. It just was, it was, it was too much. And I'm glad that the Browns offense answered the call, but it should have never come down to that. Oh, I agree. But uh, so let's see here. Landry, another five receptions for 48 yards. Still seeking that first touchdown of the season. Yeah, we're eight games in and he has no touchdown catches. That That's unheard of. Which for him. we're going to discuss that in the next game because there were a couple of times where, it's that got, where it looked like he had it and then got overturned. Yeah, he looked like, like he nearly had two touchdowns because he had the one that was reversed back, and then at the end of the game he had the one where he had it in the end zone and got hit and dropped it. Yeah, Kareem Hunt with an, uh, another three receptions, 26 yards, but the fourth TD of the day. And then Nichoku with two receptions for 20 yards and a, a TD added on as well. Yeah, uh, Nichoku I think impressed very much. Um, he made uh, – a very, very, very nice catch in the end zone. I was very impressed by that catch because he was heavily contested on that catch and very well guarded, but he came down with a hell of a, hell of a catch. Exactly. Going on to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, let's see here. Ronnie Harrison leading the, get, leading the charge. Six tackles, three assisted, one sack. Mm-hmm. Uh, B.J. Goodson with our lone interception on the team. Yeah, that was a uh, that that was that a that wasn't a pick six, was it? Not no. no uh, all no. of our TDs came from. That's right. I'm, I'm thinking the week before. Uh, Denzel Ward stepping up this game. Five tackles, one assisted. Sendejo really am really showing that he's earning his spot on the team consistently with his uh, performances on defense, at least. Yeah, for some reason, he's getting a lot of hatred online, and I'm not really sure why. Yeah, he's missed some tackles, maybe missed some good coverage, but but not warranted at all. Going down the list here, one of the things I love constantly seeing, Miles Garrett, three tackles, two sacks. This game had officially put him in the lead of – the league for sack total yeah he is now leading the uh he's actually tied for first now with nine and he's tied for first in forced fumbles he is just he's just on a tear this season and and he's easily becoming a defensive player of the year contender for sure absolutely Mm -hmm. there i don't know how you can count him out of that conversation at all no no and i just hope he stays healthy because we got a little bit of a scare in that raiders game but thankfully his MRI came back negative, and he's active for next week. So we got a little bit of a scare, but we're okay. Yeah. Uh, Cody Parkey making his field goal, obviously, for 43 yards. He got us seven points on the board, which is always nice to see. Yeah, yeah. It's always good when your kicker can come through. Yeah. Uh, Real quick on down the Bengals stat line, Burrow just – proving time and time again that he was an amazing pickup in the draft for the Bengals. Well, yeah. I mean, look at the Burrow stats right now. He's second in the NFL in touchdowns. 35 Um, of 47, 
completions for 406 yards. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it's really surprised me because everything I've seen out of Burrow so far this year has been very, uh, very impressive. The only thing that's hampering him is, of course, his quarterback rating is 22nd in the NFL with only 59.9. But all in all, he's keeping the Bengals in games against teams that you wouldn't expect them to. I, again, this just goes back to what we talked about in week two. I, the Burrow's got a great career ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we're, we could be seeing the emergence of Two teams we never would have thought been Mm-mm. the people, uh, the teams that are going to end up leading our division into the future in the Browns mm-hmm. and the Bengals. Yeah, a lot of people. I've been having some discussions with people about this, and everybody keeps saying, because I keep saying about how, oh, the Browns and the Bengals are the future of the division. And everybody keeps talking about how the Steelers and this and that. It's like newsflash. The Steelers are trending in the direction of a rebuild. It's coming. It's coming because Roethlisberger, this very well could be Roethlisberger's final season. It very well could be. It's it's potentially possible. It's possible, but with the performance that the Steelers are having, you never know. He might end up pulling a Brady and stay on for another season or two. He, he could. Um, and then there's the Ravens. You know, um, they're, they're a great football team. I, I don't know what's been going on lately. Um, I've been hearing some – all of a sudden conflicting reports on Lamar Jackson that they think he's not quite as good as he was last year. I hadn't heard that yet. Um, If I go into Lamar Jackson stats, just for curiosity's sake. um, Yeah. I've been hearing different things. They've been kind of um, dogging on him a little bit. Uh, John Harbaugh. Here's the thing about that though. Well, if you take a look at his stats from now compared to last year at this point in the season, right? yes, there's going to be a huge difference. But you also got to keep in mind the fact that the Ravens can essentially play this season on cruise control, and they're going to make the playoffs. Oh, no question about it. Um, there's no question about they're going to make the playoffs. They're still going to be a threat. Um, I think the thing that they're mostly talking about, like, for instance, John Harbaugh said that Lamar needs to tighten up his game. Um, and then if you look at Lamar's stats, I mean, they are way down from last year. I mean, right now his QB rating is 63.9, which is 19th in the NFL. He's got 12 TDs and he's near the bottom of the pack for that. And then he's only, he's got 1300 passing yards, which is great. It was sixth in the NFL, but I think even his rushing yards are down compared to last year. It's, that's, I mean, that's a whatever thing. Yeah. I'm I mean, not going to worry too much about it. It all depends on what happens the rest of the season from here. Are they going to start kicking it into high gear, or are they going to keep going on cruise control? Well, that's exactly it. Uh, the Ravens' schedule, I mean, compared to the Browns, I mean, we've seen the Browns' schedule. We know the Browns have the easiest, I think they said, schedule moving forward. Um, I mean, the Ravens' schedule is Colts, Patriots, Titans, Steelers, Cowboys, Browns, Jags, Giants, Bengals. But the Colts, the Colts and Titans and Steelers, that's going to be their three toughest games. Exactly. Um, we, the Browns game could be, depending on where the Browns are at that point. Um, but I don't know. The Ravens I, right now are still a threat. The Browns need to be worried about them. But the Browns are hanging tight with them, and I'm impressed that the Browns are, are, are really hanging with them. I know. And another thing, going back to this game here, uh, Burrow, he accounted for four touchdowns for – the Bengals this year this week yeah it's almost like he was doing it all himself it felt like on that offensive side of the ball and when you think about it he really was because I three touchdown passes 
he got the lone rushing touchdown as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, look at the Bengals' rushing game. I mean, their highest rusher was 37 yards in Giovanni Bernard. I mean, that's awful. Exactly. It's completely awful for a team that's got a well, – I can't really say they've got a decent running back. No, they, they, they lost their decent running back. Uh, well, one of the things that I'm curious about is what happened to A.J. Green – I mean, yeah, he's obviously had a decent game this week with seven receptions, 82 yards uh, catch uh, receiving. Mm -hmm. But what happened to the A.J. Green that we knew, though? Obviously, the injuries have hampered him over the last couple of years. But is he really someone that they should keep at this point? Well, there's been talk about maybe letting him go in the offseason. There was even talk at the trade deadline, which they never pulled the trigger on. But – I think AJ Green has kind of lost his um, his momentum because he had three years of, of of Andy Dalton that was just totally inconsistent, and um, I think that kind of maybe set him back a little bit. I mean, he's finally got a good quarterback in Joe Burrow, but it may be too little, too late for him. Yeah, but that's gonna be a time tells all in that situation. Uh, so, do you have anything else to add for the this week? Um. No, I think the only thing really is is that uh, that that final drive was just was just really impressive and um, oh yeah, and I just hope that that's just a sign of things to things to come. Yeah, we're just gonna have to wait and see now. All right, so now into this complete opposite direction for this game um, against the Raiders. Uh, let me start out by saying this game was doomed from the beginning for both teams because of how bad the weather conditions were mm-hmm. that I, you could barely see on the field at times because snow was coming down in droves out of nowhere. The wind was blowing at, I think, almost 40 miles an hour. Yeah, and we saw one of the weirdest field goal kicks we've ever seen, too, in that hasty win. Exactly. The first field goal kick of the game from the Raiders kicks uh, – let me check to see who their kicker is real quick. Uh, Carlson, mm-hmm. he kicks the ball. It goes dead center. Like, it's about to go through, and all of a sudden, it tails off and smacks the upper, uh, smacks the left bar. Yeah, that was a wicked kick. I mean, it looked like it was good, and then all of a sudden, the ball just went whoop out of nowhere. Which, that's a sign of just how bad this weather was in this game. I mean, neither quarterback had – good a good passing game at all no and there was no deep balls to be had in this, this game was, this game was a matter of who is going to be the team that perseveres through and grunts through the weather who's got the better uh running game essentially this week which yeah. you would have thought that the browns were but here's the thing about this though for this game time of possession that's the key thing about this. It's the fact that the Raiders who have one of the worst yards per contact yards after contact uh, in the NFL, when it comes to their running game, Mm -hmm. kept pushing through our defensive line, which is something you have not heard of a whole lot at all this season. No, they, the, the, the tackling was awful. They, they, they just were, I don't know. It just – I noticed, too, that there was a lot of um... – I mean, because look at this. 
the rushing yards. The Raiders had 208 rushing yards this game compared to the Browns with 101. Yeah. When was the last time this season that you saw a team push that many yards rushing against us? First time. I think it's first time. Well, yeah, because I think even the Ravens and Steelers game, it wasn't even quite up over 200. Uh, that just like this was a matter of they just had the bigger perseverance this game. Yeah, and also too the biggest brown uh, problem on the defense too was they were allowing Carr to do a lot of those dump off in the flat or five yard passes, and they were getting chewed up on on those, and that's why uh, after the game was tied at um, well after the game was six, tied after the third quarter. Yeah, I mean when the game was tied, it just. It seemed like the Browns were just getting chewed up on defense. They just couldn't stop uh, Vegas from going down the field constantly. And I don't know what the problem is. I mean, the Browns' defense's biggest problem all year has been allowing these short passes. And I don't know when they're going to figure it out, but they better figure it out quick. Uh, We're just going to have to hope that we're going to have to answer these questions in the bye week and see what happens from here. I hope so. Um, but yeah, like we've been saying, this was a this was a game where the run and the defense were going to decide it all, mm-hmm. and it just so happens that the Raiders happen to win this contest. Yeah, uh, I think the most controversial uh, thing, the, couple of the key things though about this game were the touchdowns from on both sides that ended up getting overturned after review. Yeah, it, it was the – I want to say it was in the second quarter. <clears throat> yeah, the Browns uh, were going to go up 10 to 6. Nope, that's what time. I was going on about there. Oh. Uh, in the second quarter, the first one, the Raiders touchdown catch from Carr. Oh. That got overturned because his foot had – or the so, the tips of his toes had just stepped on the white line, mm-hmm. which that oh. was so close. Mm-hmm. Like, that could have been – gone either way yeah it was good it ended up being a, a, a good call but it was very very close and then you had the touchdown catch from Landry which would have been his first one of the season yep that ended up getting overturned and this one was more of a definitive you know yeah this was a correct call because he didn't have control of the ball when he no, hit the it was loose yep it's just upsetting to see, but at least it's the refs are and everyone else are doing their job in that case. They are the 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 Vegas's touchdown that was that was that was uh, a little bit conflicting too. That one could have gone either way too because yeah, the, the ball was moving. It did slightly hit the ground. It was hard to tell if there was movement going on, but that one was even even could have gone either way as well. I agree, uh, but the big thing to take away from here is our receiving game. As bad as this weather was, the passes that Mayfield did connect to the receivers on, he they should have kept control of the ball. Yeah, there was far too many drops. Um, I don't know. I wish I could find the exact number, but I mean, I know especially at the end of the game when the Browns were down 13 to six and they were driving down the field and it was a third and like seven or eight and, and Baker threw a perfect pass into Joku for the first down and he drops it. He drops it. So the Browns then punt. And then what happens the next drive? Raiders go down the field. And basically the game was over at that point. So, you know, 
that that right there was the biggest drop of the game because that could have shifted the whole momentum of what happened and they lost because of it. I agree. And this is how you can tell that uh, this game really was the big one that made me feel uh, Chubb's presence is really needed to play in this, in this team. Yep. That's because of the fact that I mean, Kareem Hunt obviously led the charge again, which is to be expected, but 14 carries for 66 yards. It's not enough. It's just not good enough. And the next in line rushing-wise was Baker Mayfield with like six carries that. for 29. Mm-hmm. But our replacement for Chubb, while he's been on the injured list, was with Jarenis Johnson. Nothing he has again. not had a good game since that breakout week no. after Chubb got injured. No, and the fact, the problem here with the running game is since Chubb has been gone, I don't think that we've had a 100-yard rusher since Chubb has been out. I don't think and, so either. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, hmm, with Chubb being out, can Kareem Hunt prove that maybe he could be the running back if the Browns would decide to let, you know, not pay Chubb and let him go? This has proved that I, Chubb is the Chubb. Browns. We need Chubb. Yes, Nick That's Chubb is the Browns running back. Kareem Hunt is... But Kareem Hunt is someone that we need on the team as well. Right, well, yeah. Able, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not somebody... Kareem Hunt needs to stay on this team, but Kareem Hunt is the better second back also because he's better out of the flat because he runs a little bit... Uh, his, his speed is a little better than, than, he's than, than Chubb's. He's more of a... Like, a we've, like we've discussed multiple occasions here, Hunt is more of that speed running back you want. Mm-hmm. He's he's the one you want when you're trying to get those quick yards. Yep. He's the one that you want to go to if you're going with the uh, play action mm-hmm. or those uh, halfback options. Right. To get that pass playoff through real quick if you're trying to dump it over the middle. Mm-hmm. Because he can handle the ball pretty well. Well, he handles the ball pretty well. And, and the thing that I've noticed, too, is that – when when Hunt runs the ball, it's quite obvious he's not a power back because he's going into those three or four player piles and he's not fighting for more than a couple yards. This is where Chubb is needed because Chubb gets those extra four, five, six yards or more. This was that exactly this game. What you just said right there is why I missed Chubb this week. Yep. Because if you look at Joshua Jacobs for the Raiders, 31 carries for 128 yards. Most of those yards really came from after contact. Yep. Him pushing through for those few extra yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I that's think... why, that is why right there that, give me a second here, sorry. Mm-hmm. And that right there is why the time of possession for this game was so vastly different Yeah, with the Raiders holding the ball for almost 38 minutes this game compared to the Browns having it for 22-17. Yeah, I think if Chubb was playing in this game, I think the outcome would have been a lot different. I agree. Mm-hmm. But I, look, Total plays, too. 71 plays for the Raiders compared to the 47 for the Browns. Yeah, I mean – you know, it just, it, it was a very, very one-sided game, it, it, unfortunately. And, and like you said, the running game has a lot to do with why it was one-sided. I, it's just upsetting to see at times, but I, again, this is all stuff they can get through in the bye week this week. 
Well, yeah, especially with getting Chubb back. I mean, the running game is really going to be substantially fixed. So that's going to make a huge difference. Oh, yeah. And this is the first game in – God, I think this is the first game in seven weeks now that Garrett really wasn't a presence on the field at all. No. No. Um, he his did. Only, his stat line was only three assisted tackles. Well, yeah. I mean, not only that, too. He did have that one play where he almost got another strip sack, but Carr did – hold on to it. So unfortunately it didn't happen, but I mean, again, I mean, Garrett, Garrett was kind of banged up too. And I think he sat out for a good portion of this game because of his something to do with his leg or his knee or something like that. Yeah. But Goodson leading the charge again, defensively for us, four tackles to assist. Uh, Mac Wilson being a good, uh, bringing it up a little bit here as well. Same stat line, four tackles to assisted. And, again, another one that's been at the top of our defense is Sandejo. Yeah, I don't – again, I just don't understand a lot of the complaints. Maybe I'm not watching him enough to really see what's going on there, but based upon what I've seen, I mean, in the stat columns, he's getting tackles. He's up at the top of the list. I don't really know what people are looking I, for him to do better. I don't know at this point. I guess it's because he's – miss it like he's missing tackles and not making enough in the effort on uh areas where he could have easily gotten them i guess yeah but maybe, I, maybe I, we need I a list know. maybe we need a list of, of missed tackles he has or missed coverage and then maybe we'll see a part of the reason why but without that I, you'd have to pay very close attention and i'm just not going to pay close attention to one player on defense and then so. the thing that i mean i this that's the game too also that Cody Parkey finally missed his first field goal for us since he uh, ended up being named our kicker. Yeah. And unfortunately the wind was not a factor in this one. This was just a, just not a good kick. Which I, it was bound to happen at some point here, but it's yeah. the fact that this is first missed field goal so far this season with us. Mm-hmm. So I really can't complain about that. Well, no, I'm looking at his stats, too. He's 13th in the NFL with with field goal percentage. He's made 90.9% of his field goals and then 957 of his extra points. So, I mean, he's – I can't ask for much better than that. You really can't. I mean, the only way – you know, I mean, do you know how hard it is for a kicker in these sort of situations, too, to be – that they're put in to have 100% accuracy – yeah, I mean, you're not going to find a quarter uh, uh, a field goal kicker that's going to be um, above 90, 95% that often. Usually, I think that they usually finish the year with maybe around high end is like not 85. And there's low ends that are like in the high 60s, lower 70s. Exactly. And to have a kicker like Parkey, who's been doing really well for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's a substantial upgrade from Andrew uh, or uh, from uh, Austin Seiberg, so... I can't really complain. And I think Cybers even played a game in Cincy yet because he's the backup kicker. So, yeah. what does that tell you? Ah, who knows? But, all right, Mike, let's get into discussion time here as to what the Browns can do during this bye week. Uh, yeah. Um, I think, again, the most critical thing is going to be defense. Um, with the offense getting back Chubb, um, and I guess we're also getting Austin Hooper back too. So the offense will be pretty near healthy 
for the Texans game. So I think the offense is fine as is, um, but the defense just needs to start tightening up as far as their coverage on the short passes and the flat routes. And they got to be making tackles in, in the run because we can't be letting guys get all these yards after first contact. I, I agree with the defensive side. The offensive side, Baker's got to work on his ball release, not throwing it into man coverage like he is. Yep. He's got to work on um, holding the ball a little bit longer, sticking with that game plan that we had mm-hmm. with him getting out of the pocket more so that way he can see better mm-hmm. down the field and not being th- not throwing over or under or into these bad situations. It gives him a better chance to read the field. Yeah, Baker Baker is is an excellent on the run thrower when he's outside the pocket and he's also a great a, a great um uh his, his skill when when he when he's in the pocket and he steps up into the pocket where he steps up and kind of in front of the line, that's yeah. where he's also at his best. Um I don't necessarily understand why he is so adamant about staying back in the pocket because his height is an issue with that and I wish he would find a way to adjust from that because that's his biggest weakness. And it's like, he's not realizing it. And I would think if they're watching game film each week, he'd be seeing that. I agree. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens with that. Another big thing is they need to drill this into the receivers on getting them to hold on to the damn ball. Yeah. Dip your hands in some sticky tack and hold on to the ball. Because we cannot afford to keep dropping these passes that are easy catches too, especially in open field. I mean, you know, I, 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 like, I don't know what else that, that they want Baker to do. I mean, like, if when, you right have, in the when you have, when you have players that are out in the open, wide open, not a, not a defensive player around them within mm-hmm. five yards. Right. And they drop the ball like they do. When you catch that ball, no one in no one near you, within five yards, you can get that ball, and you're going for extra yards, easy. Probably another 10, 15 yards with defensive players being five yards away. I, I've noticed the biggest culprit of the drop passes this 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 year it has been Jarvis Landry. Um, he he's missed quite a bit, especially there was quite a few, I guess, even in the Steeler game that he missed too. I don't know what's going on because usually Landry is reliable, but he he's dropping far too many and he better get that in check real quick. I, I yeah, I don't know what really to think about this. I, I, this is just kind of baffling that Landry and Beckham ever since those two both ended up signing on to the Browns, mm-hmm. their play has not been that good. I really do. I really do think that as much as I hate to say it, because I know that I trust whatever Barry's going to do for us. Mm -hmm. He's proven to be a really smart GM. He's proven to have a really good mindset for the game, especially for him being so young too, 30 years old and being, and having the mindset he did to, I look at the contract we we discussed earlier on Vernon. He Mm -hmm. like they didn't trade him away. They waited and waited to see what happens, and he got it at the right time to restructure the contract to be able to keep him on for a couple more years. 
Yeah, but I mean, he knows what he's doing. Do you think that he's going to take that same route with Beckham, or do you think that they're going to try and trade him in the offseason? I think that's all going to be um, based on what Baker does with, with the receiving core he's got um, and seeing how that goes. If, if, if it's proven that the receiving core they have is strong enough and Baker looks better with those guys, I think you have to trade Odell because there's a lot of pieces that you need and he's a guy that has value. And, and now here's another question for you. Mm-hmm. We'll, go and we'll get into the uh, Beckham discussion here in a second again for what happens in that situation. But mm-hmm. for this bye week uh, and then for the days leading up to the game for against mm-hmm. the Texans next week, do you see the Browns looking to claim someone off waivers to help step up the receiving game? Well, the trade deadline passed. And I was kind of surprised the Browns didn't make a move, but at the same time, I'm glad they didn't because I don't think they should trade away potential future picks for a season that they go say, oh, you know, we're going to go all in. This is not the season to go all in and make those big trades. Maybe next year is, I don't know. Um, But uh, I mean, I guess depends who's out there on the waiver wire. Uh, Maybe the Browns wait to see where things are after the Texans game. Um, if they're noticing some similar receiving issues again, like from the Raiders game, then maybe they consider adding somebody off waivers. But I think we might still be a, another game out before we consider that. I'm taking a look at uh, who's available the on the waiver, waiver wire, wire anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Week nine. Yeah, sorry, ladies and gents. So we're looking for this info here, trying to see if we can find anything uh, that's going to be a good info here for you. Um, not fantasy football. Uh, yeah, I'm not seeing. All I'm seeing is a bunch of stuff for fantasy football. Hmm. Well, I'm sure there's some names out there that, that might might help, but I don't think there's any big answer probably out there that's really going to be that beneficial to them. Um, I think they should have to make do with what they got. And I, and I think having Chubb back is going gonna, is gonna to make Baker not as um, dependent on the passing game anyway, so they might Which not really have to worry about it. we need. Yep. Yep, absolutely. We need our – we are a team that has – that is kind of bucking the trend from what you see in the NFL nowadays. And that's where teams are obviously all you've seen in the current day era of the NFL Mm -hmm. has all been teams looking for that elite quarterback turning into a passing game. Yep. And they're also looking for these quarterbacks that are good on their feet as well. Mm -hmm. And I think Baker is good on his feet, (laughs) but the Browns are a team that seem to be bucking that trend and being that power running game. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen a, I don't think a really big powerhouse rushing team in quite a long time. Um, the I wish last I could big team out. I can think of that had a running game like us mm-hmm. that we have this season, at least would have, I don't want to say 
uh, the Vikings with Peterson on their team. Mm-hmm. I want to say it goes back to the Bill Cowher era. Uh, talking about Jerome Bettis? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they had quite the rushing attack. I mean, you can even go back to around the same time period with Jamal Lewis and the Ravens. Yeah. It's been but a while. It, that's really what you want to see when it comes to a powered running game. Mm-hmm. The Browns are starting to get to that point. I think the Browns have the best running game in the AFC North. I think there's no question about it. Um, I can't sit here and pick out another running back out of those other three teams that are as good as Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are. Um, the only reason why uh, the Ravens are a decent rushing team is because of Lamar Jackson. It's not because of uh, their rushing attack because they really don't have a powerhouse thing. I mean, I know J.K. Dobbins might become that future star for them, but he's not there yet. He's a rookie. Oh, yeah, I know. So, but, uh, yeah, the Browns are the best rushing attack in the AFC North. Matter of fact, the Browns probably have one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. So, it's not, you know. And here's the thing that you got to look at, too, with <coughs> with this. How many weeks has uh, Chubb been out now? Uh, was it three games? Four three, Well, since Cowboys game. So, he was out for the Steelers game. He's out for the Bengals game. He was out for the Colts game, too. So, it's four. He's been out four games. He has been out four games. Out of the top 50, I'm looking at the stats right now on NFL. Mm-hmm. He is 28th in the league in rushing still. Chubb is? Yeah. He could probably still get up pretty up in that top 10 before the end of like, the year. He's got he 335 yards. If he rushes, if he stays healthy and rushes like what we're used to seeing, yep. he could still have a 1,000-plus yard rushing season. Well, I mean, it could be one of those instances where people could talk about, okay, will he be one of those uh, running backs of the year? Uh, He still could be, not based upon rushing yards, but if he comes back into the Browns' fold in the last eight games and and, and goes on a tear, and he's one of the primary reasons why the Browns make the playoffs, it'd be hard to look past him not being a running back of the year because if he's that much of a factor to an offense and a team, how can you look past that? Oh, God, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like Derrick Henry's leading the NFL right now in uh, rushing yards. Yep. 775. Look at what they have on their team, though, to begin with, though. They don't have a whole lot. No, I'm surprised. I mean, Derrick Henry is that is that running back that you want to, that can take a team into the playoffs. Well, I think, too, it's funny that you say about the Titans because I think the real Titans team is starting to come out. I mean, they've lost two straight. They, did, they, they looked okay against Pittsburgh. They almost did enough to win. But they didn't look good against Cincinnati, and that's a team that they should have beat if they were this team oh, that's going to be a contender. So, to me, I think you're right. I think Tennessee is showing they're not really as good of a team as their record has shown that they are. Um and I think you're right. I think their rushing attacks their only answer because Ryan Tannehill is an okay quarterback. He's not elite by any means necessary. No. That's why Miami got rid of him. But look at this though. Cartrain in the top the top five running backs, you got Derrick Henry, you got Dalvin Cook from Minnesota, mm-hmm. you got Edwards Hilaire from Kansas City, mm-hmm. you got Todd Gurley in Atlanta. Kareem Hunt is up there with uh, Jones from Tampa Bay mm-hmm. as the top five running backs in the league. 
I think I think Chubb's gonna get right back into that conversation. Chubb's going to be right back in that conversation starting this week. Absolutely, absolutely. And 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 Houston's defense, I'm checking their stats as well because this kind of leads us into talking about the Browns next, next game. Um, uh, based upon their stats, I mean, right now, of course, Houston's one and six right now. Their record is not good. They fired their coach. Uh, Romeo Cornell's their head coach right now, so that'll be a little bit of a little bit of history going on with the former Browns coach going on. But, um, I mean, if you look at the team stats for the Houston Texans, uh, they're only averaging 23 points a game, um, 166 points total, 19 touchdowns. Um, their, thir- their third down efficiency is uh, 40%. <clears throat> uh, their fourth down efficiency is at 66%, surprisingly. But I, yeah. I'm trying to look for their rankings. I can't find them right now. But there is no, absolutely no reason looking at this game where the Browns should not be able to handle Houston. I agree. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens with that. But if you go into the passing game here, let me see. Uh, Watson is 10th in the league right now. We got to keep an eye out for him. We Our secondary's got to step up for this game. Yeah, he's definitely not their problem. Deshaun Watson's still having a decent year. Um, but if you look at – what was I about to pull up here? On the defensive side of the ball, B.J. Goodson, uh, 21st in the league right now when it comes to tackles. I mean, you know, I, there, there's playmakers there. there. There's definitely playmakers, no question We've about it. We've got a good team. You know, um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I wish I could find out. I, I don't know if you have it on your side, but do you know um, what the rankings of the Texans team as a whole, like what's their number, what's their ranked defense and what's their ranked offense in the NFL? Oh, well, let me see if I can pull that up real quick. Looks like Houston's playing the Jaguars tomorrow. That's a game they should be able to win, especially with Minshew out. Oh, yeah. Let me try and see if I can pull this up real fast. All right. I'm going to keep looking through here. Um, so, yeah, if you compare uh, Deshaun Watson to Baker Mayfield, uh, Deshaun Watson's got about 500 more passing yards than, than Baker they, they are in the same category as far as 15 touchdowns apiece. Baker's got two more interceptions than him. Um, and then David Johnson, he's really not doing a whole lot this year. I mean, he's got Baker – he's got uh, uh, Nick Chubb stats right now, and he's played every game, I think. Houston is only above Jacksonville and Seattle when it comes to defense. So their defense is pretty awful. Yeah, the Browns are somewhere near the bottom half of the pack, but they're towards the middle. Yeah. So the Browns should be able the, – the offense should be able to do some things against their defense. We can hope. And the only thing is that Houston's offense is at a higher uh, ranking than ours. Yeah, I think it's mainly coming from Deshaun Watson. He's got 2,095 passing yards. Yeah, we got five interceptions on the year too. So I mean, he's the one that we got to watch out for, especially since he also can run the ball. So the defense is going to have to watch. We don't need a repeat of what we saw against the Raiders: five-yard dump-offs or or running the ball, 
uh, with the quarterback. Um, we don't want to have the same, same exact problems. But here's the thing about this, though, if you look at it, we've actually gained more yards uh, this season, like total yards this season offensively mm -hmm. than Houston has by about 200 yards. Oh, wow. Well, that makes a big difference. Uh, yeah, I'm looking here. This is the comparison between the Browns and the Texans. Browns are averaging two more points a game. Uh, Texans are allowing two more, two more points allowed per game. Um, they have more total yards than we do, and, but they have allowed 40 more yards allowed. So, I mean, you look at the stats, they look, they look similar and evenly matched, but, I mean, I don't think there's evenly matched as the stats are showing because, I mean, the Texans oh, obviously yeah. are having a very, very bad year right now. So, yeah. No, I agree. But I mean, that's to be expected, though. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, oh, I should also make note, too, that the Houston Texans did sign Josh McCown this week. Okay. <laughs> that, 41 years old. That, that's, that's cool. Yeah, I don't really know why they felt like they had to, but just thought I'd make a note of that. And here's the thing about this that you want to take away, though, too, is the turnover stats. What's turnover stats? What do they look like? The Browns are seventh in the NFL in uh, takeaways, it's looking like. Mm -hmm. uh, seven interceptions, seven fumbles, 14 total takeaways, mm. which is not bad at all. No, that's not bad at all. We've also got giveaways, though, seven interceptions, three fumbles for a total of 10 giveaways. Hmm. When it comes to okay. giveaways, we're about middle of the pack. Okay. Well, so we're kind of right there. The game's going to be interesting. Um, but here, so I guess uh, that leads us right into our prediction then. Um, I mean, obviously, I think the Browns are going to win this game because they, they should uh, – the, with the Texans' defense being as low-ranked as they are and with Chubb returning, I want to say the Browns may put up their 30-plus uh, this upcoming game. Um, I think they will as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go – I think the Browns are going to score 35. I'm going to go with the Browns 35, the Texans 24. Uh, I'd say that's pretty accurate. Um I think the Browns are going to be, like you said, another 30-point game this week with the Texans' defense not being that good. Right. Um, especially with Chubb coming back this week, that's going to be absolutely huge for us. So I can see – and I can see him getting right back like he never left. Like, oh, I yeah. think we're going to be seeing a 100-yard-plus performance from Chubb this week. At least I could see I could see him going over 100, maybe even 120. So I'm gonna say that that's gonna be the key difference for us is that running game and Chubb's presence being back on the field. I have a feeling it's gonna be an even bigger difference of uh, score for uh, the game. Okay. I'm thinking it's gonna be 35, but I think it's gonna be 35-17. Okay. Now, my other question for you is, um, what, are, what are we going to see out of Baker this game, you think? 
I think we're going to see a much more relaxed and uh, confident Baker with Nick Chubb being back on the field. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be the true test to see, especially without Odell. Now that he'll have um, Chubb back, I think we this, this now is that really we're gonna, gonna now it. that the Browns are going to have their true RB one back in the back on the field. Yep, I think we're going to see a lot more uh, relaxed nerves coming mm-hmm. from the rest of our offensive players. Yeah, I, I have. I think it's because gonna he's going to open up because that means that our at our. Uh, our uh, enemy, our Jesus, I can't even talk right now. <laughs> our opposing teams are going to be stacking that line to keep Chubb from running, mm-hmm. which is going to open up more plays for our receiving core. Yeah, a little especially bit with Landry and um, <laughs> Higgins stepping up now with Beckham out. Mm-hmm. that could lead to some huge plays for us on the both sides of the ball and receiving and running. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think that the Chubb factor is going to make the whole offense look, look just look better. I just think it's just going to make everybody get on the same page, and I think everybody's going to be playmakers with Chubb back out there. So it's, it's going to be time will tell, but I think that with Chubb back on the field, we're going to be back in talks for being true contenders again. I have to agree. I, I hope we're right, but I can definitely see that being a realistic possibility. So, uh, do you have anything else to add? Um, just the last thing I wanted to break down is, uh, since we're at the halfway point, just uh, what's your newfound prediction of the, the Browns finishing this year with their last eight games? Uh, I can see the Browns still getting 10 games. Okay. Um, so, so if we had to say, so Houston, we both obviously set a win. Um, Philadelphia, I'd like to say that's a win as well because Philadelphia is still struggling. I'd say that's going to be a win. Yeah, uh, Jacksonville, again, that should be a win as well. Uh, that would put the Browns at what six, seven, eight, and three. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee, have to kind of see where Tennessee's at at that point. If they're still playing, you know, and having a hard time, it could be a win. But that's kind of a tough one. I agree. Uh, and then we have the Ravens on Monday Night Football now. That's a big question mark. I would love to see the Browns win this game, but at the same time, my gut instinct is saying we're going to get shut down again. Yeah, I think that's all, again, depending on how that this four-game stretch before goes. If we're seeing the Browns playing good football and they're playing competitive football and not making mistakes, then I could say, okay, maybe they got a shot. But if we're going to play this – ping pong game of one good game, one mediocre game, then one bad game, then yeah, I think it's going to look like it did week one or even against the Steelers a few weeks ago. So that, again, that's, that's, that's kind of a, um, that's more so I think edging towards loss than a toss up. Uh, so we're looking at maybe like uh, at this point, what, six, seven? We're looking at eight and four go eight, after the Ravens game. Eight, four. So, okay. Now we got the Giants and the Jets. I mean, come on. Th- those games should be ours. Those games are – if those games aren't ours, then – We don't deserve the playoffs. Yeah. At that point. So, we're looking at 10-4 and four at that point. And then we're finally to the last game against Pittsburgh. I think we're at the same point as we are against the Ravens, depending on where we're yeah, at Especially at that point. after the way that Pittsburgh's played this season. Yeah. 
I'd like to think the Browns will be looking for a little bit of revenge and maybe playing at home might be, might make a difference. Uh, yeah, it might, but I still think that the Browns are going to shit the bed. Yeah. And, and the thing that concerns me is coming into that game, they're going to be playing two shitty teams. So they might be a little too far laid back after playing two shitty teams and maybe not going to be prepared for them. Yeah. So that's a concern as well. Um, I, I, so I, I think to be honest, the Browns have a better chance against the Ravens and the Steelers at this point. Yeah. But I think that we're looking at a 10 and five right there. So overall, I think the Browns are looking at a 10 and six finish, maybe potentially 11 and five, but I'm, I'm siding more with a 10 and six kind of angle. I think that's accurate. Mm-hmm. I think and, 10 and six is probably what we're going to be looking at. And that's potentially a chance to finish second in the division. It very well could be because the Ravens are not playing the most consistent ball right now. So the Browns could finish for that second spot in the AFC North. It's possible with 10 and six. It really is, so we'll just have to wait and see. Time will tell. Uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jason Kabasik here with Mike Winkler signing off from the Dog Foundation. Eat those Texans. We'll see you in, well, we'll see you in a week.